This is Republic, a podcast about politics and political science. I'm Charlie. And I'm Nathan. And we are PhD students in political science at the University of Maryland at College Park. Yeah, so political science, man, what what is that? Are you looking to run for office when we're, when we're done with this whole thing? Or I absolutely uh, am not. Uh, there's <laughs> nothing I would rather do less. That's actually the question... I, and I'm sure you get asked most often when I tell people I am trying to be a political scientist. Yeah, but that's really not what we're doing. We're political scientists look at sort of these big puzzles that really, I mean, everyone sort of thinks about these things and political science is no exception to that. They're just looking at it in their own very specific way. You know, these are things like, do politicians take into account what their constituents think when they vote in Congress? Or what explains how a president's poll numbers fluctuate during his term in office? Or, you know, why do some countries go to war and others don't? These are large questions that don't necessarily have specific answers. But what we do in political science is try and ask small questions to try and get at these larger frameworks, to try and get at political truth that doesn't really get covered in the media or in traditional political discussions. You know, and that may sound a little vague. But what we don't want this podcast to be is just something like a you know, a review of the latest issue of the American Political Science Review hot off the presses, because as hot as it is off the presses... It's not a hot podcast to listen to. No, it's not. You know, and that's really not the podcast we want to make. And so really what we're aiming to do here is look at political science, but look at it through a lens of things that we read and see in the news every day. And so maybe like you guys, your Facebook blew up a few days ago when Sarah Palin was announced she was seriously considering running for president in 2016. Or maybe that was just our Facebook. And maybe by this time, she's already announced that she's not going to run at all. So who knows? But what we saw with Sarah Palin was this pattern with a lot of other candidates, mostly Republicans at this point, sort of, for lack of a better term, flirting with the idea of running for president. So we see Jeb Bush and his formation of an exploratory committee to run for president. And Rand Paul has his political action committee. Uh, what's it called? Uh, reinventing a new direction. Right. And... I'm not kidding you with that. <laughs> we see potential candidates showing up at something called a Freedom Summit in Iowa and making speeches and sort of testing the waters to see how how the public reacts to their potential presidential bid in 2016. And as I'm sure you're seeing, the media covers this a lot, sort of microanalyzing every last little thing they say in a speech at the Freedom Summit or... Or making fun of it. Yeah. And uh, all of this stuff is part of a similar pattern. It actually has a name. Yeah, it's called the Invisible Primary, which is a play on words on the primary system in the U.S which is a way that parties internally select which candidate will go to the general election. And this was something that originated during the progressive era when reformers looked at primary elections as a way to measure popular opinion of candidates and to give the common voter more say or power in the process. Yeah, and this was this was done to sort of take power away from party bosses or party the party leaders at the time. And so partially what these people are doing when they are conducting this so-called invisible primary is testing the waters in a way. They're testing it with the public, with the media, with donors, to see if they have the support they need to take it to the next level and to actually compete in the primaries, which will begin very early on in 2016. Essentially, what we're talking about here is the primary before the primary. So how does political science actually fit in here? You know, the media is largely focusing on the horse race. Who's going to run? Who's not going to run? 
who's winning, who's not winning. And political science certainly touches on that because what the media is tapping into, you know, what does the public think about these people? And that's certainly important. But political science also identifies a couple other factors, which the media does talk about a little bit, but maybe not so much in depth. And that's how easily can this candidate raise money for themselves and how can they raise money for the party at large? Because there are other things going on in the presidential election, and it's not just winning the presidential race, but it's raising money for congressional elections. And you want someone that is able to generate lots and lots of hype for the party and for the brand. Um, and so political scientists, they see that as a large section of like someone's ability to be a good candidate in, in a general election. And so that ties directly into another critical factor that political scientists have identified as, as really important for candidates at this point in the election season, and that's support from party leaders. But wait, we just talked about the, I mean, this whole primary system was supposed to sort of give, take power away from those people, right? Well, it was, but a very prominent political scientist at Duke University, John Aldrich, he has some different ideas. Uh, he has some research and theories that deal directly with this issue, some of the behind the scenes aspect of the invisible primary and how this phenomenon has changed over time and some of the, he would argue, not so great consequences that have come from that. Yeah, so essentially what he's arguing, and it's not just him, there's actually a professor here in our own department, David Carroll, what they have found is that while public opinion and money are still very important, its party leader support has become way more important, specifically since the 1970s. And so what we're seeing is actually a sort of a reverse of what the progressive era reforms had done and sort of given, given power to the voters. But now we see that power sort of slowly slipping away back towards the party elite. Right. And so what you see now is party leaders sort of working behind the scenes, talking to donors, talking to interest groups, and talking to potential candidates, kind of conducting these background machinations to determine which candidates will kind of make it to the next stage. And the perfect example of this is Mitt Romney, the Republican nominee in 2012, who, coming into this invisible primary season, had really solid public support. He was He's very high in early polls. And he certainly had the money. Exactly. He, not only is he uh, you know, popular among donors, but he's very independently wealthy. But ultimately, he didn't run. He didn't run, and this was in part because the party elite just wanted to take it in a new direction. Yeah, they, they, wanted, they wanted someone new. They wanted new blood, right? I they guess. wanted to reinvent a new direction. They did. You could even say. Yeah, they're like, look, you ran in 2008, messed everything up. You ran in 2012 and you didn't win. We don't want you to. We don't want you here anymore. Yeah, they want to. We want to reinvent a new direction, and uh, it does not lead towards Mitt Romney. So basically, the 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 party decided that he would not be a candidate, and that's that's a lot of what happens in the invisible primary, where no voter exactly. decided on this. This is all sort of you know. No one got to not no one got to go to the polls and and decide that Mitt Romney didn't get to run. And so what they're arguing is, you know, voters don't really have a say as much as they used to. Certainly, political parties have become very powerful. In a way, the progressive era reformers were responding to strong parties, and they were saying, "Hey, whoa, we got way too you know, these parties are way too strong. We need to change this." And we're sort of seeing something very similar happen now. And and who you know who knows? I mean, I don't know if in the current situation, if the party is willing to. <laughs> change right. you know they've, they're you know sort of give up some of the power they've gained back but you know right and so and so what aldrich is saying is that this has an the effect of seriously diminishing the public's ability to elect the candidates that they would want that their power is largely usurped back to party leaders 
this is a big claim and if it's true then it then that matters but this type of research isn't necessarily being addressed and talked about you don't see john aldrich on bill o'reilly or chris hayes or you know whatever evening cable news show instead you see political pundits who uh how can we put this politely, don't necessarily do the most thorough research. <laughs> and so that's what we want to do instead. Yeah. And I guess this is, we should we should point out, you know, this is something that Aldrich argue, argues and, you know, someone like David Carroll in our own department would argue as well. Everyone might not agree with them and that's, that's fine. And that's sort of how lots of pursuits that are concerned with inquiry go and you, you, there's room for disagreement. Um, and so hopefully we'll bring some of that into the podcast as well. Yeah. And so, I mean, I hope that's a, that's sort of a brief peek into you know what we're looking to do with this show is to sort of bring these really interesting ideas from political science and then sort of apply them to what's happening in the news and you know sort of this invisible primary is happening around us now and so we'll be back with episodes every few weeks or so um we're not really sure what the timetable is yet but hopefully by the time this goes live we'll have a better idea of how how this will work on a timetable but if you have any questions feel free to shoot us an email we welcome topic suggestions if there's something you want us to cover, if you want to know what the political science is behind a certain issue, or even if there's something in the news that's just kind of bugging you. You know, because I bet political science has something to say about it, you know? You can send us an email to republicpodcast at gmail.com. Um, you can also go to our website and check it. Check us out there at republicpodcast.org.com. Or dot, dot pizza. Dot fish. Dot fish. All, any of those work. Um, yeah, we bought them all. Yeah. Um, and maybe maybe this is actually a good spot to sort of step back and mention that we both do focus on American politics in our studies. And so many of the shows will have a American focus. That's not to say that we're always going to be American focused, right? Right. We want to talk about international issues uh, to the degree that we can. We want to either have uh, some of our peers who are better versed in international relations come on the show if they can and talk about it, or at the very least look over our work to make sure we haven't committed any egregious errors. Yeah, right. So we like to think of ourselves as a peer-reviewed podcast. Yes, we so. do. And so I hope you're looking forward to it. I, I think we are. We definitely are. Um, and we are very seriously considering announcing the formation of an exploratory committee to consider a possible chance that we will not run for president in 2016. See you next time. Yeah.